Welcome back, shooters. Adam and Brian here with a very special guest today. Uh, we've been following along with him on social media for quite a while, and he is the head coach of the Cornell College men's basketball team, Dave Schlaubach. Dave, welcome, and as we've talked about a few times, we definitely appreciate your time. Uh, doing well, guys, and I appreciate you guys got a great pl- promoting Iowa basketball on a lot of levels. We, we, we definitely appreciate that. All right, Coach, well, let's jump right into this here. Uh, first question I have for you is, what's the hardest part about coaching your own kid? Well, it's, you know, I was fortunate to, to have my oldest play for me at Williamsburg, and, and uh, he did a good job for us and had good teams and uh, never got to coach, coach, coach him in college, coached against him twice in the big Cornell rivalry. But uh, uh, the, the high school portion of it was something I wouldn't trade. And it was, I, you know, we had a, a good enough relationship that, that I think I didn't really take it home very often. Um, but, but he got uh, uh, he got the brunt of me most nights in practice and in games because one he was my son and second he was a point guard so he kind of got <laughs> that. Uh, now I'm fortunate enough to have him on my staff. Uh, the only thing is my youngest son just graduated from high school and he um, I didn't get to coach him in high school and I regret that that would have been fun. Uh, but he did did play at Williamsburg for Brad Noop who was my assistant all seven years and so uh, he was in good hands when he, when he was at Williamsburg and I appreciated coach Noop uh, having him for for his high school years. Yeah I know there's always a challenge uh, Adam and I our fathers were a big part of our basketball careers when we were young and then I actually my my oldest my daughter is a sixth grader to be seventh grader and I coach her team and so there's definitely some challenges like you said of, <laughs> of the separation of bringing practice or the game home with you and and just being dad sometimes can sometimes be difficult. Well, you know, I, I go back to, fortunately, I didn't have to do a lot of the AU. Maybe the local stuff I did with the guys when they were younger. Uh, Zach was always fortunate. He played uh, He played a lot of, uh, uh, we played for the Barnstormers and the Mavericks, uh, which was good experience both for him. But then he did a lot of uh, middle school age. Uh, Kay DeLeo was his coach. and uh, David. Leo's mom, uh, and that's quite a family. You know, Kay was the head women's coach at Indiana State. Uh, Frank was with Dr. Tom at Iowa, and now he's a scout for the Sixers. So I always knew he was in good hands there. So, you know, low houses were around, and that those were some fun days too. So Brad and I could, Brad lost, and I could just sit in the crowd, and we could pick at what was going on on the floor with the coaches and we can give K grief about afterwards. But you now sometimes AAU, it's, it's kind of nice having someone other than that coach them. As long as you trust that they're doing a good job. Right. Yeah. Give you that little break from, you know, the family member a little bit. It's always, always good to hear a different voice too. That's for sure. Cause you're obviously going to get to reiterate things when they get home too. So sometimes hearing it from someone else usually hits home a little bit better. Um, but hey, so when did, uh, when did this Absolutely. coaching as a profession and as a career really, really kind of start up for you? And when did you know that, uh, this is the path you wanted to go down? Well, I think I always knew that I wanted to be a coach. And I think early on, I didn't know if I was going to be a football coach or a basketball coach, but you know, uh, just like when you had Jason Stegey on your deal, we talked about growing up in Fredericksburg and having to, 
you know, you played all the sports, you know, we did the same at Mid Prairie growing up. And uh, so I really liked football as well as basketball, but I think I always thought maybe basketball is a little better fit for me. Uh, the gym's always dry and warm, you know, that football <laughs> guys, they got to sit out and either they get the conditions. Uh, uh, but I think uh, at a young age, um, I jumped on the bench when Don Showalter came home to Mid Prairie. Uh, you know, he had, he had left Wartburg and went to Lone Tree. Lone Tree went to Central Elkader, and then he came back home to Mid Prairie. And I grew up as a young guy watching those good Mid Prairie teams with Cal Hickman was the coach, and Don Showalter, and Dan Dickel, who ended up playing in the NFL, was on the team. And uh, they're just that was my early age of going to the state tournament and watching the Golden Hawks. And so when Coach uh, Show came back to, to Mid Prairie, uh, I jumped on his uh, staff, and I was probably 22, 22 years old. I was pretty young. And it doesn't take too long working for Coach Show where uh, you get the bug of basketball, uh, whether it's taking you to the Final Four and, you know, getting involved in Snow Valley and just how he ran programs. And, you know, Don Showalter's the biggest influence as far as my coaching has, has been. And so he, he helped fuel the bug. And then it was all 100% from there, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. Take us a little bit on your path. So you were at Mid Prairie. Then where, uh, what, what were your, some of your stops until you got to Cornell? Well, I went to Mid Prairie, and that's where I got started, obviously. And then, uh, then I went uh, – I was at Iowa Lakes for two years and loved it. Bob Grimms was the coach. We had great teams. I think we won I-20s, low 30s each year. Uh, uh, Troy Larson was actually uh, a kid that I recruited and put up there. Now he's the head coach. He played for me at Morningside as well. So I was at Iowa Lakes for, for two years, and then I took a job. Um, uh, I just I went to North Dakota, and, Randy, uh, and then I took a job at Sam Houston State down in Huntsville, Texas. And I was there about two months, and I just didn't feel right. Uh, the coach was a guy named Larry Brown, and he was a good, good guy. Uh, some just didn't feel right, and I got out and uh, was fortunate enough. I was working a Marquette basketball camp, and Kevin O'Neill told me he heard uh, the Morningside just hired a new coach, and at that time they were still D2. Uh, and so I hooked up with Jerry Schmuddy, the coach there, was there for six years, six or seven years. Uh, and then we started having kids, and I went back home and worked insurance for a while, did a bunch of AAU worked Showalter's kids out all the time, and then eventually got back on his his bench. And then uh, from there, uh, went to Williamsburg, and I was head coach there for seven years. And then prior to then, then coming to, to, uh, to Cornell. So I've been a lot of places, you know, sometimes I feel like I've been a lot of places. And then and I, then I always, uh, one of my best friends in coaching is Steve Forbes. We grew up together, him and Long Tree, you know, 12, 13 miles from Kelowna. Uh, well, Forbes, he's been, you know, you look at where he's all been and, and John Edwards had to move a hundred times. And so I don't, after I look at some of my coaching friends where they've all sacrificed and jump around, I feel like I've been a little bit more stable and uh, maybe found the niche, uh, especially D3. I think it's a great, great level to be at and super excited to be at Cornell for sure. That's an awesome story. Um, with the move from high school, Williamsburg to Cornell, what is the biggest like struggle for, for high school athletes coming to college basketball? Well, I, I think, Adam, it's just, you know, learn how to compete every day. And that, that, 
I mean, some days you got to compete when you don't feel like competing in the weight room. You got to get your butt out of out of bed and get things rolling in the day. You got to get a routine. You got to be real self-starting. So I think that's probably I think the biggest adjustment. And you you probably remember back in the days when you got to UNI. Um, I mean, you got to be able to go, man. You got to get up in the morning, be ready to do it. And, and so I think that takes a little bit of time. And I think once they start playing, I think the lifting is an adjustment. Uh, I think um, uh, they got to get used to list, li- lifting like a collegiate player does and a team does. So that's a jump. And then I think the pickup games, you know, you used to be able to take anybody off the dribble, just the pace of it, you know, where you used to maybe just be able to pick your dribble up a little bit quicker, maybe, you know, a little pressure release to an easy wing catch. I mean, that those days are gone. People are going to be up in you a little bit more. So I, I think just getting used to that speed and snapping your passes a little bit more. Uh, and then, you know, everybody says college is, uh, uh, you know, such a commitment. I think the time than they've ever had in their life when they get to college because right. they're not in class at the high school from 8 in the morning till 3.30. There are a lot of things in between. And so I think you've got to learn how to get your academics done. Yeah, and I'm, I, I mean, Brian and I have both been there, and you're exactly right. I, I, uh, I go back to uh, a story that actually a family member was, was kind of thinking about walking on to a college basketball team. And he's like, you know, I just, I just don't know if I really want to or not. So I'm still trying to make a decision. And I, I just said to him, I'm like, if, if, if you don't know if you want to do it, then you don't want to do it because it is that big of a commitment where, you know, it's, as you said, it's, it's every day. And, you know, you just don't, in, in, in high school, you don't, don't necessarily have to do that. So, um, yeah, like I said, Brian, Brian and I have both been there. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. different level of commitment, just different level of competition. Um, that, uh, like I said, everyone, every one of these kids was the best kid on their team in high school. And now they're playing against everyone's best kid. And so it's a different level of commitment and um, need to bring it every day, like you said. If you can't keep the ball in front of you defending, then then you 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 have you bring zero value for practice. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. That's so true. Um, hey, hey, coach. Over the over the years, I mean, you've 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 been coaching for a while, obviously. Um, how has your how has your coaching style changed over the years? You know, X no wise, it's always evolving, and, and you mm-hmm. know, we've went from being a team that ran a lot of sets to really we hardly have any sets anymore, and we're just trying to play in space and get guys to make shots. So I think that part always evolves. Uh, probably the biggest adjustment is you can't coach guys what you used to 20 years ago. 30, um, times are different. So I've had, I've had to learn to adapt. But I think a lot of us, my, my vintage or my era, and you played with Brooks, mm-hmm. uh, and Marty was a high, and he's still kind of a high-octane guy. I just talked to him this morning. Marty's been one of my best friends for a long time. And, but I noticed the state tournament, he was, there was a more soothing Marty on the sidelines than the old days. And I would agree and, with that. And I think you've got to, you've got to adapt. And, and he would say the same about me that I'm not maybe quite the big pain in the butt that I might've used to have been. And, and so I think if you, if you're going to evolve and you're going to be able to stay in this, you got to change with the times. And I think that's a lot of things, not just prep. I mean, how long you go, try to get things done a little bit quicker. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your recruiting style and recruiting on the D3 level. You know, what are some of the, some of the challenges, you know, looking at, 
at your roster. Um, you know, in my opinion, I, I obviously Illinois is a little bit closer, but you have, you have a lot of players from Illinois. Um, is that, I don't want to say, you know, uh, a hot spot for recruiting, but is that kind of a focus of you guys or, or is there a reason for that? Well, I think it's uh, kind of a couple different reasons. Cornell in general is a very diverse campus, both of color and of um, geography. Um, probably close to 80% of the kids on campus are either out of state or international. Wow. So I think our roster looks just like if you walk down a hallway of a dorm, you know, people from here, people from there. So we, we have guys from all over the place, which, which makes it kind of a different and a unique and a fun uh, environment for sure. Uh, as far as Illinois goes, um, you know, I'm a lot closer to being on the west side of Chicago than I am to be over towards Council Bluffs or Sioux City or up, you know, up, up around uh, Okaboji or Mason City or, or any of those places. So part of it is just geography. I, it's easy for me to get in a car and pop over to the western suburbs of Chicago. Right. But in turn, you're going to see a lot of those kids on the baseball team, the softball team, the, the wrestling team. So I, I think that's just a, a good area. We have a full-time admissions rep, uh, one or two in the Chicago area. So it, it's just a little easier for us to recruit in that area. And then I think a lot of my roster is just based on maybe some of our Snow Valley connections that, you know, coaches, that we have so many coaches every year at Snow Valley that it's easy for us to um, get a kid out of Tennessee that, you know, I shouldn't say nothing's easy when it comes to recruiting, but we have some doors that are open just for relationships. So I think we're able to, to probably throw a little wider net than maybe one of the American River Conference. They, they tend to, to be able to really dominate Iowa. Now we, we, we want Iowa players and, We've got really good Iowa players on our roster, and we need them. But it seems like when we recruit an Iowa kid, the, I'm going to see Jason or, you know, or, or Dick from Warburg. I'm going to see the Coe guys or the Dubuque guys or the Simpson guys, uh, the Loris guys, where, you know, we're fighting maybe five or six of us over the same kid. I can go into the Chicagoland area, and it might be us and one other school in that area. And we're different, so it's – they have local, then they have us. And so maybe it, it gives us a little difference that, that we can use to our advantage. You talked about the difference in coaching styles over the years and how things have changed. How has that impacted the recruiting as well? Obviously, these kids connect on a different level. Um, obviously, technology, like we're dealing with working here today, is one way of recruiting and connecting with these kids. But how, how has that changed? I know you spent a lot of time at the high school game, so maybe talk a little bit about um, when you had kids that were being recruited and, and obviously now your time as, as lead recruiter there at Cornell. Well, it's, you know, it has changed a little bit because in the, I go back to when I was at Morningside or Iowa Lakes, you know, there were cell phones a little bit when I was at Morningside, but it wasn't like everybody was on them, uh, you know, back in the early 90s. And uh, so you, it was uh, calling cards and um, uh, just getting a hold of people and hope, hopefully you could get them at a certain time. Uh, where now it's, uh, you know, it's texting. I think the kids sometimes are more comfortable with texting. So it's easier just for those small, short check-in conversations. You still want to have the over-the-phone ones as well. But I think it's just so much easier to get a hold of people now than it ever was before. Uh, 
uh, more information, more accessibility. Zoom calls have been awesome. We, we, we've done a ton of those. So I think it's kind of like, like we said earlier, you better adapt, Brian, or you, you know, you better change with the times because everyone else has. So technology is a big part of how we recruit. Yeah, you definitely have to be able to pivot and make some changes and some adjustments. Otherwise you uh, will get left behind. Uh, that's for sure. But you mentioned Snow Valley uh, a couple of times. Snow Valley's obviously got to be a big tool for you. And I know that you're a big part of that. And obviously, Don Showalter, a big part of that as well. Um, what, are, what, have, what have been some of your experiences with, um, first of all, what do you do for Snow Valley? And then what have been some of your experiences and some of your takeaways from your time working on Snow Valley? Well, Snow Valley's been um, probably one of the biggest influences in my life as far as not just basketball, but the if you're a Snow Valley guy, or, or we, we say guys, we mean men and women coaches, but if you're a Snow Valley person, it, it's, it's, a, it's as tight a fraternity as you're ever going to find. And just the diversity of the coaches we get from all over the country and the world, um, it, it's, it, it's a, just unique and incredible place where it's hoops all day long. And it's really like an ongoing coaching clinic as well. Uh, you got to be a grinder. You don't fit in very well at Snow Valley, so you got to really want to work. Uh, that being said, it's been really big for me over the years just to, uh, to develop the relationships I have. You know, I think of Tate Slock, who comes up every year at 83 years old and leads more clinics than anybody does. And, you know, he hired Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight's first college job was Tate's assistant at Army. So that's how long Coach Slock's been doing it. And he's been a huge influence on me. He's just an incredible person lives in Jacksonville. And so, you know, that's just one example of some really high level basketball minds and people that you get to be around. Um, what I do for Snow Valley um, has changed in, you know, tragically changed because uh, we lost one of the greatest, you know, Jerry Slykhouse. Uh, you know, we lost him on December 20th uh, before years this winter. And, and it's just, he was, he was just such a great person and he and coach Showalter co-owned the camps where coach Showalter kind of handled the basketball part of it, the scheduling part of it. And coach Slykehouse had the thankless job of the dorm supervisions, the dorms working with Warburg, uh, the food service, the security staff, ordering the t-shirts, selling the t-shirts, picking up coaches at the airport, doing all the travel, um, well, when we, when we tragically lost him and his wife in a car accident, um, Coach Showalter uh, entrusted me to kind of take that role. So that's what I do now. So I don't really even coach anymore at Snow Valley. I'm, I'm over making sure the dorms and the food and, and the sick kid in the middle of the night, everything that Jerry did, everything that Sly did. And so that's kind of my role now. And it's, it's busy and it's a year-round deal. You know, I take calls every day on it, it seems like. Um, and so, uh, you can never replace Jerry, but hopefully I've been able to step in and, and, and at least, and like coach Walter always said, I didn't know what Jerry did and he really didn't know what I did. And you're the only guy that kind of knew what Jerry did. So guess what? You're going to do that. So that's kind of, that, that's kind of how that all, uh, uh, folded out. But Snow Valley is an, it's an awesome place. And, the kids that go there were there because they really love the game of basketball. It's not much of a camp to go to 
if you don't love it because we're not going to take a swimming break in the middle of the day. I mean, we're going to go hoop all day. And, and so it, it's a special place with special people. And, and it helps on the recruiting end, kind of circling back to that a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of the conduit, you know, kind of the contact to all the coaches, whether how they're getting here, how they're flying in, when they're coming, where the dorm room, I give them the keys to the dorm room, whatever. So that has me be the lead person as far as the contact goes. So we're going to have 250 coaches at least every summer workforce. And that, that gives me a pretty good blanket all across the country. We've even got uh, Marcus Quirk from Scotland came through a Snow Valley connection. So that helps me be able to call. And if you're a Snow Valley person, you've got credibility with other Snow Valley people and, and others as well. So I can call somebody and say, hey, you got anybody for me? I called Nick Legalbo at Lane Tech in Chicago or, you know, Jesus Patina down in Memphis or, you know, whoever these are the Iowa guys, Jake, you know, Jake Brindle or whoever the Iowa guys are too. Uh, and and it, it at least gets you in the door to recruit their kids. You still got to do it. And you got to do a great job once you get there. But they're not asking like, uh, you're always welcome if you're a Snow Valley person. So that's very helpful recruiting. When I talked with Coach Saggy about your responsibility at uh, Snow Valley, he said that you just you have all the headaches. You have to take care of all the headaches and and basically all the shit and everything that's going on from the day to day basis. So you uh, you pretty much hit that. He hit that on the head, I guess. Yeah, I, it, they're they're not getting Coach Paith out of bed at four in the morning because someone threw up in a dorm room. <laughs> Coach Showalter's not. And it's funny. I'm we're in the same dorm room, uh, Grossman. I've had the same dorm room, actually, uh, and I've got the bedroom that Coach Slackhouse had for all the years. Coach Showalter's got the other bedroom, and and uh, uh, they know where to knock, and Coach Show's not getting out of bed when a kid gets home sick. Uh, make, make sure you, know, you knock on the right door. Uh, a funny story, the Mignani's, uh, Jordan Mignani's a player for me now, a great player. Uh, his older brother, Trey, was a Mount Pleasant kid, and obviously Al was the head coach at Iowa Wesleyan for years. And uh, But when Trey first went, uh, he'll probably kill me for saying it, but when he first went to Snow Valley, he was a little younger, but he's a year older than my son, Zach. And Zach went to Snow Valley when he was a third grader. You know, he, he set the record for Snow Valley. I think he went to more than anybody has. But uh, Al Mignani dropped Trey off, and he's like, ah, you know, he's coach's son. He's going to be fine. Well, Trey was only about, he was only about a fifth, fourth grader probably. And he got a little homesick. And so I had to sit up in the dorms with him every night and we laugh about it. Then it just took one year. Then he was an old pro. Uh, so I get the homesick kids too. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of like mischief and that kind of stuff because I think kids are too tired once they get back to, and I don't know if either of you guys, I, now Brian, I know you're now going to guy and I know, Adam, obviously, coming from Ackley, Geneva, did that. I don't know if any of you guys attended Snow Valley when you were kids, uh, but if you did, you know the schedule. Yeah, I've heard uh, from, uh, obviously, Staggy, uh, Staggy in Oakland, and even a uh, good buddy, Lee Nelson, of mine, that worked camp several times. And so I know the schedule. Um, and I actually had my daughter signed up for camp uh, this year. She was, she was scheduled uh, to go to Snow Valley this year, but Obviously, unfortunately, the times and everything that's going on with the COVID was, wasn't able to, to have camp this year. Well, we had a lot of conversations on it, 
And uh, between Coach Showalter, you know, Dick Paith, uh, Chris Kern, Kenny Spielbauer, and myself, and we just, because of the COVID, we just had to make a decision. That's tough. It was, you know, we've been doing it over 25 years. And, um, and it's like, even though it's work, I look forward to it. You know, I, you know, I spend about 18 nights in Grossman in the dorm, uh, 18 or 20 every year. And I'm really going to miss, uh, I'm going to miss the, the, the people that, uh, and I, I know Brian being a Warburg guy, you know, some of these, you know, maybe some weren't there when you were there, but you know, you're, Kerry Gleason is, uh, you know, that's who I worked with. And, uh, you know, Bernard, the security officer, you know, oh, yeah. the head of the, you know, so those people are become like family to you because you're there so often. And, and, you know, Marty up in food service and, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton of people, but you, you really get to where, you know, these people and I'm going to miss not being up there on campus uh, doing the camps this year for sure. Well, you talk about, you know, we, we referenced COVID-19 and, um, you know, you, here, we, here before we started recording, you, you, you kind of went into a little bit about, you know, how that shook out with your team and stuff like that. So, so talk about that, you know, during the spring. And then if you could maybe go into, you know, how you've been communicating with your players. Um, have, you, uh, have you had to change anything? You know, obviously it's, it's um, you know, the semester's over and stuff, you know, but but with the college basketball team, there's always work to be done. So, so go into that a little bit, if you could. Well, it's, it's been a tough transition. And in some days I feel like we probably haven't done enough, you know, to, to, to find better ways to stay connected. It's not easy, but, you know, obviously use Zooms, text calls, group me, use all of that, uh, which I think has been really good for us. But we, we play in the conference tournament in, in our league, the Midwest Conference. Four teams qualify, so you you've got to be you've got to be pretty good to qualify, and we we were really good non-conference, and then we weren't very good at the start of the conference, and then we changed some things up, and we really were playing great ball at the end of the year, and we and we qualified as the fourth seed, uh, so we went to the conference tournament and played St. Norbert at St. Norbert. All four teams go to one location, and St. Norbert was ranked 15th, I think, at the time, and that's Great, great program. Uh, and we played them until the two-minute mark, and then we ended up losing. But it was close. It, it was – we led at halftime. And so all that being said, we had a great experience up there. We got on the bus on Saturday after a Friday night game, let the guys off on, I think, February 28th, Saturday afternoon. I got on the road recruiting. The guys had uh, finals Monday, Tuesday, and then they left for spring break. Well, a lot of them have never been back to campus since then. So now they're scheduling times to drive up from Florida. Garrett Jones just drove up from Florida because he still had his laptop and his shoes and all this stuff in his dorm room. Wow. But with COVID, you just can't go back in the dorms. You got to schedule the time. You got to do the precautions. You got to let you in. You're there. You're out. So we really haven't seen our team since late February. Uh, and that's super tough. That's super tough. So you do the best job you can staying in contact. Uh, but, you know, technology's awesome, but I'm still more of a guy that I like seeing them pop in my office or, uh, you know, know that they're getting in our gym and all that. We just don't – we lost all that this spring. We think our weightlifting is, is very crucial. And uh, we think our weightlifting in the spring, those workouts are, are crucial. 
So, you know, we're crying about it like, oh, we've lost that. And part of me thinks we didn't have it. You know, we, we had no seniors a year ago. So we got everybody back with a good recruiting class. Uh, you know, St. Norbert lost two first-team off-conference, really good players. So if anything, maybe we can, you know, you got to find ways to spin things to your advantage. You know, yes. you better do that. And so if anything, we've got the most experience in theory coming back. So what we lost in the spring, so did everybody else. And they, you know, you know, hopefully we can get started a little quicker and get back to close to being where we were just because we didn't lose anybody. If that, if that makes sense, you know, sometimes you can feel sorry for yourself or you can find a way to take advantage, uh, whether it be Zoom calls for recruiting or, uh, you know, we got kids, uh, you know, we, we sign kids from, from different parts of the country that, that haven't even been to our campus yet. How, you know, how unique is that? So, you know, you got to use Zoom and, and different things with that. But it, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a tough, because our guys are from so far away, it's not like I can see a bunch of them this summer in Iowa. The one thing, good thing, I guess, about it, too, is everybody's in the same boat. So, like you said, I mean, it, it isn't something where just your campus was affected or anything. I mean, everyone's in the same boat. And so, like you said, if you can, you can take those little nuggets and use them to your advantage and use the experience because, you know, your guys are used to some of the routine as opposed to a young team that doesn't have the spring. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Have you had any insight or any idea as far as what things are going to look like when school resumes or if it resumes in the fall? Well, you know, we, we have we have calls. I've had calls this week with um, uh, the Midwest Conference, all the head coaches, men's and women's, with the with the with the commissioner. I've had you know a ton of calls within our head coaches meetings or with the president's office. Uh, I know everybody, and I, I you know not just us, but I, I know everybody is trying to get back on campus in the fall. You, you know that that all sounded great sitting in your house sitting in the basement doing a Zoom class or Google Docs and all that. But what people forget, and you guys are young enough still that you remember, college is about being in the dorms, being around people from different places, developing new friendships, learning how to do it on your own. And, you know, you can, you can teach virtually, but you can't add all those other things in on it. And so as great a job as everybody has done at all these schools virtually teaching. And I know professors have done an awesome job delivering the content. I think the kids thought it was pretty unique for a while, but I think everybody wants to be back on campus this fall. And I know we're planning to start class August 24th. And as of right now, that's the game plan at Cornell, but our campus is not still even open at this point. It's, it's, we're in phase one of, of, of reopening and so there's four phases until you even get your kids back on campus but I, I think everybody's trying to get back to more normal and fingers crossed that we'll we'll have everybody back on campus now how that changes the look of fall sports I think fall sports are going to answer a lot of our questions and I think things change daily so I think it's only speculation to, to even know where we're at you know as far as how it's all going to uh, unfold in October 15th when we're supposed to start. Yeah, I think you're, you're right, Coach. It's, it's a unique situation, obviously, but it's so hard to predict that uh, as, you know, as a staff, as a school, just because, like you said, it is so <clears> – <throat> it is on a day-to-day -day basis. 
you just don't know what's going to happen next. But, um, you know, obviously our fingers are crossed that everything kind of plays out like, like we think it's going to, um, and fall sports go off well. And then obviously we can, we can all be happy with basketball season. That's what we're out. We all want. Right. And, you know, and you it's one of those deals too. It's like early on, you're like, ah, you're frustrated. Like, and we're going to miss these weightlifting opportunities or, you know, this is when that freshman got better, that jump between fre And then sometimes you just got to step back and say, you know what, there are bigger things going on right now. So let's just get it back to more of a safe environment, which I think we've done a good job. But at the end of the day, there's other things going on that uh, we'll catch up in the weight room. We'll catch up shooting. All that's going to work itself out. Let's, Hopefully everybody just keeps the focus on making uh, campuses uh, uh, safe to return. And I, and I think everybody, you know, Cornell's not the only one trying to, to, to make it really work and be, be super safe for everybody. I think every college has probably got that first and foremost. I think that's probably driving all decisions as it should right now. Right. And I agree with you too. I mean, college is all, it's all about experience. It's about getting those experiences being together. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully we can get that back and uh, you can only learn so much uh, through the computer. You gotta, you gotta touch, feel and experience. And um, I know that's one of the things, like you said, that you guys provide and uh, on your campus and the uniqueness of it. And so hopefully that's the case coach. And hopefully uh, you're able to get these kids on sooner than later and really start uh, shaping some of these boys into men. I know that's one of your mission. Absolutely. You know, Cornell's different too. We're one course at a time. So, I mean, you start a class on a Monday and you go for three and a half weeks and that's the only class you have and you have eight of those a year. And so if you got an intro to social class or whatever, that's all, that's all that professor teaches for that three and a half weeks. And that's the only class you go to. So you go in the morning, you go in the afternoon. So we're a little more flexible. We could start three and a half weeks later and just push first block to the second block start. I mean, so we've got some versatility based on our, our block scheduling. Um, and again, we're very unique with that. There, I think us and Colorado College are really the only two schools that are on, you know, 100% block scheduling. That's um, interesting. Yeah, it sounds like that would be uh, an easier way, not an easier way, I mean, but it's more more conducive to the times. So that's uh, that's hopefully something that works out for you guys, definitely. No, it's awesome, and it's it's a great format for an athlete, not just in the time we're in, but, you, you know, if you have a class that you know that's going to be really, really hard, you might take that first or seventh or eighth block when the season isn't going on. Um, you know, you, you can kind of schedule around that a little bit. You mm -hmm. can do an internship. Maybe you want to do an internship, but you don't want to miss uh, basketball. You can go do a three-and-a-half-week internship, seventh block, and – New York if you want to and but you wouldn't be missing your other classes so mm -hmm. the flexibility is really good for athletes by three o'clock every day you're done and uh, that's time opened up for extracurriculars and so it's really kind of built for for, for an athlete yeah that's super obviously at Warburg we did May term and so we had where just the month of May obviously was focusing on one class and I, I agree I mean there's definitely some advantages to not having your concentration or your focus split between a bunch of things I mean you have one class that you're focused in on and then uh, you know for us it was strength and conditioning and our spring stuff but it, it definitely does kind of free you up as opposed to feeling like you're getting pulled in you know four or five different directions with all the different classes so I could see where that would benefit the athletes. You know, they, our guys love it for sure. That's awesome. 
Um, well, at the end of our end of our podcast, coach, we like to do what we call rapid fire, where we'll ask you we'll ask several questions, and all you have to do it's pretty easy. Just you, you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Very easy. Awesome. <laughs> Coach, first one then for you is what's the the best game or most memorable game that you've ever been a part of as a coach? Uh, you know, probably a couple of them. I, I think we had some when we took our Williamsburg team down to state my last year. We had some really good games, a sub-state game. We uh, beat a Fort Madison team with Miles Wensing. It was, it was, it was a heck of a game. Um, I, we had a big game when I was at Morningside. We beat Fort Hayes State in the NCAA tournament at Fort Hayes in their roundhouse arena. And that put us in the Elite Eight, Division II Elite Eight. And Fort Hayes State, Gary Garner was a coach there at the time. They went on to win the next two national titles. Uh, I'm still not sure how we pulled it off. We just played our butt that night and got it done in front of a big crowd. Uh, that was that was a really good one uh, that, that I'll never forget. Uh, um, and, and, I, and I go back to uh, – uh, a game that uh, was pretty special when I first started Cornell. My daughter it was um, diagnosed with cancer. She's doing awesome now. Uh, but we brought her back up for a game, and uh, that was that was special because it was a family deal. Uh, my 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 Cornell team really embraced it. Um, you know that was pretty special too. And so I don't know if I have any one particular, but those are some pretty big ones that you have memories. And I remember more, not scores. I remember the guys and, you know, maybe what they did on a bus or in a van or, you know, pregame someone laughed. And we had we had a huge game at Mid Prairie, played for a state championship. Uh, my last year there, uh, we lost a whole Western Christian state championship game. And, and we had a young man as a manager for us. And uh, uh, he was a very unique young man. And, and he kind of, said something before our first game in Des Moines and coach really meant do any of the coaches have anything else to say <laughs> we had something to say and so that became a tradition that we always asked Eric okay Eric you got one more thing and so that was always our last deal for went on the floor and it was pretty special so you remember those things you know probably more than you do some maybe the X and O part of the games well those are some great stories that's what makes this game so special is just the different stories and different directions you can go in. So that's great. Um, okay. A little bit easier, lighthearted one here for you. Uh, which say seven years in Williamsburg. Is that how long you guys were there? Yes. So what's the best place to eat if we're visiting Williamsburg? Oh, you got to go to the pizza house and get the pizza. Uh, John, will take, John makes great pizza in town. So the pizza house, great lunch buffet and, uh, uh, yeah, that'd be the, that'd be the spot. I'd say go there for sure. Awesome. All right, got that noted. Um, next one is who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Well, it's Michael Jordan. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I know there's a lot of LeBron. Now we get in these conversations. These are these are great bus arguments, uh, dinner arguments, when our guys argue all the time about it. Uh, but that, 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 that's definitely – I think it's Jordan. I think LeBron is very special too. Uh, but I, I, I also remember a guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that was pretty dang good, and he's still the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. I'm, I'm surprised his name doesn't come up a little more than it does. Uh, and I'm a big Magic and Bird guy. Uh, I, I think they 
saved the NBA for a lot of reasons. And I, I think, you know, are they as big and fast and as quick as some of the modern day athletes? No, but they, you know, they don't have the same training, training that they do now. And people are just bigger now and, and all that. So I think their skill sets were pretty exceptional. Yeah, no, those are good. That's, can't, can't argue with that list. Um, I'm talking rapid fire with my answers. You guys <laughs> No, that's the whole point. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we want. We want to just bring up some random topics. So uh, we talked a little bit about this before we actually jumped on, but what's both the best and the worst part about moving? You just went through a recent move, uh, obviously, and with yeah, your family and moving the house. So what's the best part about moving and what's the worst part about it? The best part is I'm two and a half minutes from my office instead of a 50-minute commute. That's the best part of the movie. The worst part is I still can't find one of my phone chargers and a couple hats. So we're still unboxing things. And, That'll go on uh, for a while if it's anything like like when I move. I'm tired of water in my yard, too. We got new sod. I'm tired of being a waterer, too. So. Yeah, always, always fun challenges and always some headaches that come with that. Um, so, well, you mentioned a few places, um, but what's your, what's your all-time favorite gym? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you my favorite gym of all time because uh, they had big time teams and you guys are a little too young to remember exactly how they played. But the Palmer High School, Alden Skinner's team at Palmer, they played the ball like it is now. I mean, they were small ball with the ball spacing and Coach Skinner was amazing. And, you know, with Troy, his son, and, and uh, Brian Pearson was one of my, uh, was one of our assistants at Morningside with me, one of my best friends. And he, he tragically passed away from cancer, way too young of age. Uh, but I remember when I was at Iowa Lakes going down and watching those Palmer teams play and they had the Pink Panther, uh, the actual Pink Panther was on the end, end uh, pads and uh, Panthers. And it, it was incredible, incredible basketball. With, the, with no more kids than they had in their school, they could play with anybody. And they were, Coach Skinner's style was way ahead of the game. That uh, I actually played a couple of youth tournaments over there, so I know what gym you're talking about. That uh, that's that's quite the facility, and obviously, yeah, Troy Troy Skinner. He's he's down here in uh, the Des Moines area as an attorney. Actually, just worked on some paperwork for a closing that I have coming up. So small world. All those guys, you know, that was the era when I was a young coach. Uh, Troy and Wade Sk or, uh, Wade Looking Bill and Troy played for me on the primetime league. And I wasn't much older than them. That was their wow. incoming freshman year. Uh, and uh, so I've known Troy and Wade and then obviously other Palmer guys. And that, that was an era of Iowa high school basketball. That class, you know, hopefully I'm not going off the topic for too much. But Troy and Brian Pearson and, and Wade Looking, Bill, Morgan Wheat that played at Iowa State was down at Valley. Uh, Kevin Nixon who played at Northwestern. Uh, Lynn Tryon, one of the all-time great Iowa high school athletes, played at Colorado State. And uh, Jay Goodman, who is Wade Lukingbill's uh, 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 teammate at Fort Dodge, played at uh, Iowa State, then went out to Utah and, and played. And uh, there was – and I'm missing guys. that There was more guys that could play 
in that class than, than ever. It was an incredible high school class. I, uh, it's been a couple of years, but I used to run into Troy at a couple of noon ball games every once in a while. He can, he can still go. He can still play it too. Troy's a good guy. And, you know, he, he's a coach's son that took a lot of, you know, he, he got the wrath of a lot of Iowa fans, you know, unfairly, unjustly, just like a lot of, you know, in-state guys get sometimes when they go to a school. And, and I always remember telling guys, I'd say, yeah, he's so crappy. No one could ever beat him out. And he's all. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. I think sometimes it's the the expectations because we see these kids in high school or watch them play that the expectations get so high. And then is Stone Creek Golf Course as nice as everybody says it is? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was an easy one. Uh, I I get to play at some. My my son-in-law uh, Corbin Blythe is an excellent golfer. He was state place winner and younger brother Austin Blythe and uh so they they were part of their family was part of getting that golf course uh built and all that his his grandfather Ron Holden was influential in a lot of big projects in Williamsburg so when 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 Corbin's back from Phoenix I, I like to get out there and golf with him and and it, it is it, it's a tremendous nine-hole course well manicured and yeah you need to play it if you haven't yeah, I haven't been over, but it's come up on a list of favorite nine-hole courses in Iowa quite a few times, and so I, I had to ask and see if it was worth the hype. Great course. Maybe we'll all pop over there one day. Get some, get some pizza and head out for nine holes. Sounds like a there good go. day. I can take that for sure. <laughs> all right, Coach, last one here uh, with us today, but uh, it sounds like the passion runs very deep in coaching, but if for whatever reason you didn't end up taking or going down the coaching path, or something changes, what, what would you be doing if you weren't coaching? Man, you know what? That's a tough question because I've tried a couple other things in my life. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm wired for one thing. And I'm a, hoop, I'm, a, I'm a basketball guy every day of the year. It doesn't matter. I always have been. Uh, I don't know. That, that's I, – I, I guess it would be – you know, something to be around people and in trying to affect, you know, maybe helping helping guys find the right way to make the right decisions to do things, whether it be counseling or whatever that would be. But but I, I think I'm a one trick pony man. I don't have a lot of other things in my world. So I'm a I'm a basketball coach. That's kinda of what I am. Well it sounds like from your Snow Valley experience though, you're pretty good at coordinating schedules and uh, lining things up. So you could you could probably be on the logistics side of something somewhere. You know what? I could probably run a food service at a small, small Midwestern college if I had to, or maybe even, maybe even being a housing director. I, I get a little taste of that some days. I know after doing it for for every July, I'd prefer just to do it in July. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, just in case we got we got our answer. <laughs> um, well, hey, that's all we had for you today, Coach. Again, you know, I know I've said it a couple of times. We really, really appreciate your time. Um, and all the, you know, all the knowledge, all the stories you've told were, were awesome, you know, better than I think Briar and I each expected. Um, and, you know, we wish you the best here this summer with your guys and the best here next season. Um, obviously, our fingers are crossed for you. Um, and really everybody who's, uh, who's still working on that plan to get back and, you know, getting athletics in general just, just you know, back in front of our eyes. So we definitely appreciate your time today, Coach. No, I appreciate it, guys. You know, Adam, Brian, you know, what you guys are doing is, is, is awesome. 
uh, not just promoting, and, and I love the Hawkeyes, and, you know, I've got a lot of affinity for Jake and Northern Iowa and the Drake guys and Iowa State, good, good staffs everywhere. Uh, but it isn't just – the basketball isn't just playing four, four campuses on the – and you guys promote it at every level. And, and there's small college, high school, whatever. There's good basketball in Iowa. And anybody that wants to promote it, I, I'm all for that. And you guys are doing a good job with it. Wow. That was a fun conversation with Coach Lawbaugh, just chatting about some X's and O's. And just basketball in general. Um, we all are going through a tough time now, but talking to somebody and you know feeling the passion that he has about the game of basketball that we all love is pretty cool. And I think at the end there, he really validated what we do here on Shooter's Touch. Um, you know, we are always trying to promote the game of basketball first off, and then second in the state of Iowa. As he mentioned, you know, with the game of basketball isn't just in those four campuses in those four cities that he mentioned but there's high school ball there's d2 ball there's d3 ball whatever that is we're here to promote that and and find guests that would be interesting to have on our podcast so when i i say that we're always interested in hearing your suggestions so please connect with us please follow us on twitter instagram and facebook facebook search for us shooters touch and on Twitter and Instagram, we are Shooters Touch IA. Like I said, please connect with us. Let us know what you think. Let us know feedback. We're always open to that. And always remember, shooters shoot. Shoot.